0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka The Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's County Championship Review Show is none other than everyone's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So Kieran, first things first, mate, great to have you back on the podcast for a chat about all things county cricket, it's always a pleasure. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far?
1: I'm still reeling from the fourth test washout. And frankly, I think we should null and void this series as well.
0: Yeah, take the, the Stuart Broad approach mm. to the Ashes. Indeed. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree any more. Yeah, it's been absolutely gutting, hasn't it, <laughs> to be honest. England, unfortunately, don't have the chance to, to win back the Ashes. We have the opportunity to tie the series in that fifth and final test at the Oval, but it's not the same, is it? And in particular, if this test match had been won by England, the series would have been 2-2. Everything would have been about cricket, wouldn't it? Cricket would have just been national headlines. Everyone would be talking about the ashes. And yeah, unfortunately, that won't be the case. But it's the, the weather, isn't it? We should have played better at Edgbaston and Lords. We can't really moan. But yeah, it's been a pretty difficult weekend to take, to be honest. And let's face it, the weather's not been good up and down the country, has it? Unfortunately, a lot of the county championship action this week was reduced as a result of the weather. But regardless of the rain, the winds, the poor weather that we've experienced here in England and Wales over the past week or so, we did still have four matches in the second division of the LV County Championship. And Kieran, what better place to start our review show than at Oakham School. Let's go to Rutland, where Worcestershire beat Leicestershire by 100 runs. Now, Leicestershire won the toss and chose to have a bowl first in favourable conditions in Oakham a decision which paid off rather splendidly in the early exchanges as the disciplined seam quartet of Vian Mulder, Matt Salisbury, Chris Wright and Tom Scriven rifled through the Worcestershire batting lineup with ease to leave the visitors all out for 178 runs after just 62.3 overs on day one. In fairness to Worcestershire though, the West Midlands outfit came back extremely strong during Leicestershire's reply as Dylan Pennington and Matthew Waite caused all sorts of issues for the Foxes and ultimately helped to dismiss the home side for a hugely underwhelming first innings total of just 110 runs. Now, to his immense credits, Resolute opener Jake Libby did try valiantly to provide some desperately needed resistance for the pairs on a very difficult playing surface at Oakham this week, as he fired away a quick-fire 67 from 87 deliveries. But even this effort simply wasn't enough to prevent a Worcestershire collapse, as the visitors ultimately fell to a score of 169 all out to give Leicestershire a tantalising target of 238 in order to secure victory in this crunch encounter. Unfortunately for the Foxes fans in attendance at Oakham School, though, Leicestershire never looks even remotely close to reaching this target as Josh Tung, fresh from England duty, returned in ominous form and took superb figures of 5 for 29 to help spark a collapse, which ultimately ended up in the home side being bundled out for 137 runs, therefore giving Worcestershire a vital win by a convincing margin of exactly 100 runs. So, Kieran, we've got to talk first and foremost about that Worcestershire bowling display because across both innings, they were quite superb, weren't they? I mentioned already the likes of Pennington and Waite, but Josh Tongue as well. Bear in mind that he's been away with England in that Ashes camp. He hasn't been playing too much with the three lines but even then his focus would have been on the ashes that was a very very impressive return to the pair's fold in oakham this week
1: yeah um yeah obviously he's he's basically come back in and and been the difference for them winning the game I'm not, I'm not saying they, they wouldn't have done anyway um but you know given that that Worcester won by 100 runs um and he took 5 for 29 in, in the final innings. Um, there's a good chance that they might not have won had he not taken those wickets um, and as you say um, it, it was a complete bowling performance from from all of the guys that you mentioned I find it somewhat strange that, that Josh Tong or just any England cricketer is allowed to rock up like two days into a game and just like Surely, if you're on England duty, you're on England duty. I understand that he's not playing the same with um, Dan Lawrence, who, who returned to play for Essex um, this week. It, it's just a little bit weird that they're allowed to um, just come into the game um, for somebody else who started the game and and make a difference, as he has. But obviously, that's a rule that that, that is allowed, and it's worked in Worcestershire's favour this week.
0: It certainly did, Kieran. And to be honest, that change, the swapping of Josh Tung coming in for Adam Finch, wasn't the only moment of controversy from this game. Because Leicestershire have actually sent a complaint to the England and Wales cricket board regarding the dismissal of Colin Ackerman in the second innings. Now, for those who don't know what we're actually alluding to here, Matthew Waite bowled a very good delivery to Colin Ackerman. He edged it behind to Josh Baker in the slip cordon and according to leicestershire from their view baker initially dropped it and still claimed the catch now i've got to be completely honest i watched that footage quite a lot because it was raining at edgebaston we needed something to watch and we decided to watch the live stream back and unfortunately from the camera angles i don't think you can tell that there's conclusive proof that he dropped it there's definitely a moment where he does cradle the ball but again that could have just been a case of dropping it and recatching it in his body. So, I don't know if there's conclusive evidence off of the video replay because I think it's Adam Hose's second slip is basically in the way of the camera, but I'm not sure if you saw that Kieran if you have if you haven't it's absolutely fine, but what do you make of of Leicestershire's decision to to make that complaint to the ECB given the fact that dismissals like this have happened against Leicestershire before. I mean, think back to the Lewis McManus stumping of of Hasan Azad when he didn't have the ball cleanly. Do you think that's they were right to lodge this complaint given the fact that there probably isn't conclusive video evidence.
1: Uh, I've not actually seen it but I I have seen the the Alfonso Thomas um, quotes basically you know comparing it to that Lewis McManus um, dismissal and I don't know it's a a weird one because like if there was conclusive proof that that it was um, it had grounded then it seems fair enough to, to, to lodge a complaint because you know, obviously, you don't want to win in that fashion. Well, you, you know, you shouldn't want to win in that fashion. Um if the ball has grounded on, you know, I'm not saying Josh Baker um, knew that the ball had grounded if it had um, and if not. Um, but yeah, without sort of conclusive proof that it has grounded, there's sort of, I wouldn't have said anything's going to come from it. Because, you know, if if it's clear that or, or, or if it's not clear, then you know, the people who, who are making the decision on the disciplinary are going to have that same view. Um, so, but from their point of view, it, it, it is clear. So um, it's a weird one. Um, I would say like, morally, you would hope that Josh Baker doesn't know that it has grounded if it has. Um, sometimes there's a feel that you don't know if, if you've caught the ball. Um, but then as a batter uh, and as the batting side, you're obviously going to be disappointed if there is a dismissal like that, where there is some form of... Um, Controversy surrounding it. Um, but as I say, if it isn't clear, and as it sounds like it isn't, there's probably not going to be anything comes from it.
0: Yeah, to be honest, Kieran, I do think that will be the, the likely results, to be honest, from this complaint. I mean, Leicestershire clearly thought that they saw something, and I'm not denying that, but at least from my perspective, having watched the live stream, and again, someone might have a completely different angle, but the angle that we saw, I'm pretty sure, is Adam Hose. It is bodies in the waist, so you can't really tell. All you can see is Josh Baker complete the catch. So, again, we'll have to wait and see what comes of that. But yeah, it was interesting to, to have heard that there was such a, an uproar, to be honest, about that dismissal, because at the time I didn't think much of it. But there we go. We'll have to wait and see what the ECB come up with, if anything, as a result of that dismissal. But uh, aside from the potential controversy in that game, Kieran, it was a very, very fast paced and frenetic game, wasn't it? I mean, the, the surface at Oakham was very, very favourable for the bowlers this week. There was a lot of movement coming both in the air and off of the surface, but I wanted to just look at the bigger picture before we discuss the other games when it comes to Leicestershire and Worcestershire, because as of this point in the season, both of these teams are on the exact same number of points. Both are on 111 and occupy third and fourth position respectively. So as of the 11th round, Kieran, who do you think is better placed? to be promoted come the end of the season?
1: I would probably say um, Worcestershire. I think they are very sort of even teams in that there's a lot of players in both sides. Like you look at Leicestershire, um, Rishi Patel's had a very good season. Um, The likes of Colin Ackerman, Peter Hanscom, Vian Mulder, Ryan Ahmed, all very good players on the day. Chris Wright obviously started the season very well with, both bat and ball, surprisingly enough. Um, and then Worcestershire, you know, a lot of good players on on their side as well. Um, but you look, the fact that Josh Tong has now um, got England recognition, I think that sort of boosts them um, in that he's probably going to take a lot of confidence from that and he's going to want to finish the season strongly. Um, and for him and, and Dylan Pennington, who are, who are both leaving the club, um, I think... They'll sort of want to go out in the right way, and and they'll want to impact playing for Worcestershire as much as they can towards the end of the season. I think that sort of gives them the edge. Um, even you know, rather than pure cricketing, in a pure cricketing sense, I think like from their hearts, they'll want to give something back. I mean, Josh Tong has been with Worcestershire since he was like eight years old or something. So, given the fact that he's, he's leaving now, he will want to give something back to the club um, by the end of the season. And and he will hope and the club will hope themselves that that might be that he gets them promoted or he's a, a big factor in them getting promoted. Um, as you know, that this performance sort of shows the confidence that he's got at, at the moment. Um, and he could potentially be the catalyst along with obviously the other very good players that they've got that that could happen.
0: Could you make the exact same argument for Leicestershire, though, given the fact that Colin Ackerman's going to Durham, Callum Parkinson's following him to Chester Street, and then obviously you've got Chris Wright going to Sussex, who, again, are in the promotion mix as well. So could you make the same argument for for the Foxes, per se, given those reasons?
1: Yeah, absolutely, you could. I mean, yeah, both sides. It is a bit of a weird one how many similarities there are between the two sides at the moment. Um, And, uh, I mean... Leicester for next season are going to be um, buoyed by the fact that Ryan Ahmed's staying with the club. Um, again, somebody who's going to take confidence from the fact that he's had England recognition of late. Um, but I think the fact that Josh Tung is both leaving and has also had that confidence of playing for England recently, that might just give him the edge. I mean, it, it's not a game that can be won by one player, but if you look at his um, bowling form in the last innings of this game, he is a player that can turn games on his own Um, and, yeah, potentially that'll just give uh, Worcestershire a little bit more than Leicestershire might have and that remains to be seen. Um, They are both in very similar positions, so who knows?
0: Well, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Let's face it, with both of these clubs because the fact that there are so many departures, I know Worcestershire have announced the signing of, of Rob Jones, so he will... Arrive at the club in 2024, but they've lost Tongue, they've lost Pennington, they've lost Jack Haynes as well. The core nucleus of that team will be completely different next season. So, both of these sides, you can argue, need promotion in order to have that extra pull, don't they, to bring new players in. So, yeah, they've not got easy roads either. Both of these teams played Durham in the latter stages of the season. I know Worcestershire also have Glamorgan, I believe, in the 13th round, if I'm not mistaken. So, Yeah, there's going to be some very difficult fixtures for these two clubs, but to be honest, they're both well set, aren't they? It's just going to be a case of who can deliver in the pressure situations. And yes, with with Worcestershire, you do have Josh Tongue. You do have Dylan Pennington. You do have a very capable batting unit as well with the likes of Jake Libby and Azar Ali and Jack Haynes, as we mentioned. But don't discount Leicestershire. Do not discount Leicestershire. As you mentioned, Kieran, Rishi Patel, is having a phenomenal season, 890 runs, averaging 52.35. You've got Hanscom, you've got Hill, you've got Ackerman, all of whom have got 690 to 700 plus runs. So it's going to be so fascinating, isn't it? The, the promotion run-in. And to be honest, you can make compelling arguments for either of those counties. But if you were to ask me as of the 11th round, just looking at the fixtures, I do fancy Leicestershire more. I think that Leicestershire do have a slightly better chance, but. Again, Worcestershire well and truly in the mix, so we'll have to wait and see what happens heading into the rest of the 2023 season. But talking of the battle at the top, let's turn our attention to the front runners and let's head to the Incora County ground, where Derbyshire and Durham played out a high scoring draw. Now Durham won the toss and elected to have a bowl first in this clash, a choice which for the most part seemed to have backfired rather spectacularly, as a barnstorming one hundred and ninety-seven Courtesy of imperious number three batter Brook Guest, as well as a quickfire 62 from the ever-reliable Wayne Madsen, quickly took Derbyshire up to a sizeable total of 443 all-outs by the conclusion of their first innings. And Kieran, right from the bats, we've got to talk about that innings from Brook Guest. Brook Guest is a cricketer and a person that I've got so much time in the world for. He made that big decision, didn't he, moving from his boyhood club of Lancashire taking the plunge, heading to Derbyshire for first-team opportunities. This was a magical innings from a very, very talented cricketer. So if you could make just a few words, how impressed were you with that 197 courtesy of Derbyshire's number three?
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, it's the second time that he's he's got 100 this season and, and he's only got 150 as well. Um, and that's also paired with a couple of ducks. So... Um, It's very much like if he does get going, there is potential that he could be a real danger to whoever he's playing against. And, I mean, Durham are, it's fair to say, the best side in Division 2 by quite a long way at the moment. Um, And they have a very good bowling attack. Matt Potts obviously has played for England. Um, Ben Rain has been fantastic this season Um, and the the signing of Miguel Pretorius likes to Bryden Kars, um, Matt Parkinson, another um England cricketer, Scott who's played for England before. It did there's a lot of options um in the Durham Ballant attack that are very dangerous and Guest looked untroubled against basically every single one of them and and put together a fantastic innings that obviously put his side in a in a very good position in the first innings of this game.
0: He certainly did, and it's funny you mentioned the the depth and wealth of options that Durham have. You know, this is a very high-quality, very high-caliber and capable bowling attack, and yeah, he just took them to pieces. So, immense credit to Brooke Guest, and to be honest, I'm absolutely delighted for him. He deserves this. He really does. He's worked so, so hard on his batting, and 197. I was gutted that he couldn't make it a double century, but again, a phenomenal innings nonetheless from Brook Guest at the Incora Ground this week. And talking of Durham's and Kieran, again, another guy who's just having a remarkable season is Alex Lees. 171 from 210 deliveries, 21 fours, three sixes in there for good measure. The first player across either division to surpass the 1,000 run mark in the summer of 2023. A few words on Mr. Lees, if you could, Kieran. How impressed were you with that knock and I suppose in the bigger picture, with the way in which he's leading this Durham side at the top of the order.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the bigger picture, and I think it's um, the sort of elephant in the room is the fact that he was called up to, to the England side um, last year. Um, I don't think he did particularly badly. Um, obviously, the way England are playing their cricket now, you would suggest he he might not be the quickest scorer usually, but in 171 at a strike rate of 80, he's fairly sharp. Um, and he's just shown this season that he's um, you know, very much one of the best batters, not only in Division 2, but in the country. And I think that's highlighted in the fact that he's the first person in either division to hit 1,000 runs this season. Um, and it just seems like week after week, he just manages to string together huge knocks like this one. Um, yeah, like I say, the, the fact that, he's managed he manages to to put together lot knocks like this week in, week out, as sort of um a testament to, to his character and how much of a good player he is. But the fact that he struck at over 80 in a knock of 150 plus is remarkable. Um and then it gives a platform to the rest of his side and and that was built upon very well by the likes of David Benningham and I'm sure you'll probably mention it, but um Matt Potts' third, I think, um, first-class half-century batting at number six. Um, and then, you know, the, his partnership with with and Cast as well. That's all, all from a platform of, of Alex Lee's.
0: Well, it was, Kieran, and obviously I'm going to mention those other knocks. I mean, in particular, David Beddingham, he's having a great season, isn't he? I think this was his fourth century of the summer, 138 from 159 deliveries. And, yeah, how about Matt Potts? An incredible, incredible cameo that, wasn't it? And you were spot on. His third half century of his first class career. It was just brutal hitting, wasn't it? And this is the key about Durham. You think you get through the likes of Alex Lees, Michael Jones, Scott Borthwick, David Beddingham. And then the middle order comes to the forefront with the likes of Ollie Robinson. Matthew Potts can give it a whack. Brydon Carr scoring 80 from 79 must be so demoralising as well when he's batting down the order. I mean, he's definitely worked hard on his batting, but Goodness me, this Durham side are just so capable with the willow in hand. And you just look at the batting bonus points, 41 out of a possible 50. That's ludicrous. It's the highest figure across any division by a country mile. The next best is 27 that's been recorded by Sussex. So Durham deserve to be top of the table. And with with batting performances like this week in, week out, Goodness me, they're an attractive prospect heading into next summer as well. I know it'll be a different division. The first division is a completely different beast to try and tame, but I'll tell you what, the signs are looking very, very promising for the northeastern county heading into the foreseeable future. But as a result of those incredible knocks from the likes of Alex Lees and David Benningham, Matthew Potts and Bryden Cass, Durham amassed a mammoth total of 575 all-outs by the end of their first innings. But Unfortunately, by this point, the weather had basically ruined any chance of this game ending in any results aside from a draw. And Derbyshire did, in fairness, come out to bats quite well in their second innings. The likes of Harry Kane and Lewis Reese put on an unbeaten 89-run opening partnership. But again, that was basically it for this encounter at the Encora this week. The rain, unfortunately, did play spoil sport. But again, we bore witness to some outstanding batting and. I just wanted to ask one final question again, just looking at the bigger picture for for Derbyshire County Cricket Club, because obviously this season they won't get promoted. It's been a pretty disappointing campaign for the East Midlands County, but what do you think they can put in place in order to be successful in 2024? Because there's rumours, aren't there, of big signings. The likes of Mohamed Amir is touted to potentially be a Derbyshire player next season. Samit Patel has also been in talks with the club. So What can Derbyshire put in place to make a real push for promotion heading into 2024 and the years beyond?
1: It's a tough one because, like, looking at um, in terms of the um, batting bonus points in Division 2, only Worcestershire have less than Derbyshire. But you would say that, like, on paper, the likes of Lewis Reese, Harry Kane, Brooke Guest, Wayne Madsen, Lewis Deploy, Hyder Ali, There are a lot of players that can impact a game. Um, I think the loss of Lewis Deploy, who's um, been confirmed uh, as a Middlesex player for next season, is obviously going to be a big blow. Um, And I think potentially um, signing a batter might not be um, a bad choice if that's something that they can do. Um, Deploy's runs are something that that are going to be difficult to um, replace. Um, He's one of the top run scorers in the division this season. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there are, as I say, there are players that, that can impact games and that, that can hit big runs. Um, so obviously those guys are going to have to step up a little bit more in the absence of deploy. Um, but if Derbyshire can both, you know, get a little bit more consistency out of the top order and then potentially add another batter into the mix um, for next season, then if they can bring the, the batting up to, to where the bowling is, um, and as you say, um, potentially signing Mohamed Amir and Samit Patel, um, whether or not Samit Patel would, would play red Bull cricket, um, I'm unsure of. Um, but obviously, Mohamed Amir is definitely going to add to the, the bowling attack. That's something that doesn't particularly need that much strengthening, um, but it, it's, it's the batting that sort of needs to be brought up to the level of the bowling. Um for them to be somewhat successful in the future, I would say.
0: Yeah, to be honest, Kieran, I'd actually agree with that assessment, because in years gone by, it has been the bowling, which has been the issue for Derbyshire, but they've taken 27 points. I think uh, 27 out of a possible, 27, if I'm not mistaken, actually. If my maths is correct, yeah, nine matches, three maximum bowling bonus points each game, so the, the bowling hasn't actually been the problem for Derbyshire this season. It's been the batting as you mentioned, so Leicester deploy is going to be a tremendous loss. Personally, I don't think they can replace him immediately, but they do have some very, very talented cricketers in there, and I I do think the aforementioned Brook Guest will be the guy who steps up for the Falcons heading into 2024 and the years beyond. But Kieran, aside then from that clash in Derby, let's turn our attention to the north and let's go to Headingley where Yorkshire and Sussex played out a rather entertaining draw. So as our resident Yorkshire fan mates, I'll pass over to you here. What did you make of proceedings up at Headingley over the course of these last four days?
1: Well, Sussex must have some form of agreement with wherever the weather comes from, because um, at home earlier in the season, Yorkshire got the final day stripped away from them by the weather when they needed it. I think it was something like 60 runs with seven wickets in the shed or something would have like cantered to victory. Um, and again, in this game potentially had there been any play on the final day. Um, I know Sussex was still, um, still had three wickets in hand by that point, and And um, Finn Hudson Prentice um, was, was batting well as he did in the first innings Um Sussex might have potentially been able to bat for long enough to to ensure that Yorkshire weren't able to um, get to the total. I think they were sort of 88 ahead, something around there, if my maths is not incorrect, which, you know, it would be be very likely if it was incorrect. Um, But, like, from the start, the start that um, Ben Code and Matt Fisher made with the ball, um, Sussex were four or five down for not, very many um, and I think the partnerships from or the innings from the likes of Hudson Prentice, Nathan McAndrew and Jack Carson basically injected enough time into the game that meant that Sussex um, could ensure that they didn't lose um, because the the top order, um, other than uh, Tom Alsop, there wasn't really any runs and then Hudson Prentice and Nathan McCantry were, were the only people that made a, a real score. Um, had those two rolled over, Yorkshire would have bowled Sussex out for very cheap. And then they probably would have batted a little bit quicker or perhaps a little bit differently to knowing that the, the weather was coming on the final day. Um, but this is uh something that um I'm sure you wanted to mention that the knock from Adam Live, who has not been the most consistent this season, but he's still up there um, in terms of the top run scorers in Division 2. And him and Finley Bean have put together a fantastic partnership at the top of the order for Yorkshire this season. And that was no different in this game. Live hitting 115, um, Finley Bean hitting 45. Ryan Rickleton put together his, his first um, knock of any substance with Yorkshire, his second game, um, hit 46. David Milan sort of went t20 mode for a little bit when he was um when he passed his 50 he he hit 92 and then Johnny Tassel hit hit 41 and then yeah the, the second sussex innings again quite a good bowling performance and actually quite a complete bowling performance Um if you look at the wicket takers um matt fisher didn't take take a wicket george hill only bowled three overs didn't take a wicket moriarty didn't take a wicket um but Adam Live did. Uh, Mark Stecharty took a couple. Jordan Thompson, who I believe was sat out of the last game, took a couple. Um, So Yorkshire put themselves into a good enough position that if the final day hadn't been played, there was a very good chance of winning and the weather sort of ruined it again.
0: It did, and that was the overarching theme, wasn't it, of the 11th round? It was just poor weather up and down the country, sport the ashes, and... Spoiled pretty much every single Division 2 game as well. It was just a, a very, very sodden and um, wet week, wasn't it, unfortunately, here in England and Wales. But just talking first and foremost about Sussex's middle to lower order, because you mentioned the likes of Finn Hutton Prentice, Jack Carson, and Nathan McAndrew. Just to give some statistical analysis for those three players, Finn Hudson Prentice, in my opinion, is having a very, very good season. He's scored 581 runs, averaging 48.41. He's surpassed the 50 run mark on six occasions over the course of this summer so far. So shout out to Finn. I think he's having an excellent time of it with the bat in hand. But with the likes of, of Jack Carson and Nathan McCandrew as well, Carson's averaging 36.77. McAndrew's averaging 26.5. So we, we speak about this when we we discuss Surrey. But when the, the middle to lower order wax, and you can just put on those 50, 60, 70 run stands... It's absolutely invaluable. So fair play to that trio for rescuing and salvaging the situation for Sussex in the north of England this week. And you mentioned Adam Lythe. Obviously, this is a testament to the the calibre of the guy because we're sat here saying that he's not having a great season, but 646 runs, he's averaging 49.69. He is Yorkshire's leading run scorer over the course of the championship this season and I completely agree, Kieran. I think with Adam Lithe, it's about consistency, isn't it? We know that on his day, when the, the batting is in rhythm, when he's got his flow and he's got his mojo, he's unstoppable, but he does have some very, very low scores thrown in the mix as well. So it's all about consistency when it comes to Adam Lithe heading into the future. But uh, again, I just wanted to to ask this question, Kieran. Out of these two sides, who do you think is better placed for promotion? And before you give your answer to that, I just wanted to to just mention Yorkshire's game in hand because they do have a game in hand against Derbyshire. Now, if they were to win that by maximum batting and bowling bonus points, that's a massive theoretical hypothesis, but they would technically be in second place. So out of these two sides, who would you back to get promotion to the first division come the end of the summer?
1: Well, it's a tough one because Yorkshire have only actually won one game so far this season. So, as you say, it's it's very much hypothetical that if they were to um, beat Derbyshire, even without full batting ball and bonus points, actually getting the win is something that, that Yorkshire have struggled with this season. As I mentioned, the, the couple of games against Sussex, you know, the first one was absolute locked off that it was going to be a win. The second one this week potentially would have been... Um, but it's it's been about getting over the line for Yorkshire um, so far this season. So whether or not they would beat Derbyshire, um, if they were to do so, um, that would put them in a very good position. I mean, Sussex have actually only won one game themselves this season, but they haven't lost a single game. Um, they've drawn a lot. Um, so even if they were both on the same sort of points, um, I think you would say there's probably more chance of Yorkshire losing games at this point Um, than Sussex, just on the fact that Yorkshire have lost a couple, Sussex haven't lost any yet so even if it does get to a point where they are on on similar points I would possibly suggest that Sussex have a better chance of making more points up towards the end of the season and then there's still the potential that there is a a points deduction hanging over Yorkshire Um, if that isn't to happen there is potential of of promotion but I, I don't think Any Yorkshire fans really getting the hopes up um, because of both factors? I don't think um, you know there's enough ability to to win games. Yorkshire have been in in very good positions a lot of times this season, and and not managed to get over the line. I'm not saying it's not possible, but just on on you know recent form, one win um, and six draws, you would suggest that there are are better placed sides, such as Sussex, who who would probably have a better chance of of going up come the end of the season.
0: Yeah, to be honest, mate, I would agree with that. I really would. And uh, again, we look at the the bonus points when it comes to these two sides. I think the bowling is actually what separates these two teams in potentially going up to the first division because Sussex have got 29 out of a possible 30. Yorkshire got 23 out of a possible 27. So yes, the batting has been inconsistent at times, but I, I do also think that the bowling hasn't been at its best for Yorkshire so far this season. Don't get me wrong, they've had some excellent individual performances from the likes of Ben Code, Jordan Thompson, Matt Fisher, but uh, I think overall, yeah, I think the the bowling could just be where Yorkshire let down slightly. In particular in the first innings, as I said, they need to take those 9 or 10 wickets to get as many bonus points as possible because it's so tight in the second division, it really could be a case of 2 or 3 points determining that second place. So We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I think out of those two sides, I'd back Sussex, to be honest, to be the favourites between them and Yorkshire to go up at the end of the season. But Kieran, aside then from that encounter between Sussex and Yorkshire, which unfortunately, as we said, was hugely rain affected as a result of the bad weather in Leeds, let's turn our attention to the fourth and final game in the second division this week, which again, folks, was massively rain affected. Arguably, the most rain-affected of any of the clashes in Division 2 this week. So let's head to Cheltenham, where Gloucestershire and Glamorgan play out a massively weather affected draw. Now, Glamorgan won the toss and opted to have a bat first on a very nice batting surface in Cheltenham this week, a decision which appeared to have paid off marvellously in the early exchanges, as a classy 111-run opening stand between David Lloyd and Zainal Hassan was aptly supported, by A trio of dashing knocks, courtesy of Billy Root, Kieran Carlson, and Chris Cook, to ultimately see the Welsh outfit up to a massive total of 450 for six declared by the culmination of their first innings. Now, Kieran, we've got to talk first and foremost about that opening stand between David Lloyd and Zainal Hassan. Lloyd, of course, is going to Derbyshire next season. We mentioned about Derbyshire strengthening that batting unit, he will be a massive pillar behind the Falcons' success heading into the future, but how about Zainal Hassan? You know, he's only been with Glamorgan for a few weeks and he's been absolutely magnificent. So what did you make of the opening stand first and foremost between Al Hassan and David Lloyd?
1: I I would say it was a a very good platform for Glamorgan. Um, You mentioned Zainal Hassan's um, only really been with Glamorgan for a a few weeks or or a few months Um, I believe a a product of um, the South Asian Cricket Academy um, which you know has produced a few players that have have come to the fore in county cricket this season and and have looked very good of late Um, and yeah Zainal Hassan has looked good in his short time as a as a professional cricketer Um, and yeah alongside uh, David Lloyd who hasn't had a fantastic season to this point um, they put together a really good open stand um, which as I say put together a, a great platform for Glamorgan to build upon um, and allowed the likes of Billy Root and, and Chris Cook to make somewhat easier runs um, in the middle order
0: It certainly did and as I said I think that was the foundation behind this big score for Glamorgan on what as I said was a very very nice batting surface but we mentioned already there the, the opening partnership. How about that trio of middle-order knocks? 76 from 70. courtesy of Kieran Carlson, Billy Root chiming in with 98 from 123. And then Chris Cook just putting the proverbial cherry on the cake for the Welsh outfit this week with a quick-fire 86 and out from 93 deliveries. So a fantastic batting display from Glamorgan. And in fairness to, to Gloucestershire, they themselves also had a very good time with the bat, ultimately accumulating a sizeable total of 402 for six declared, the majority of which was scored by the likes of Chris Dents. He scored his first century of the season with a fine 113 from 206 deliveries and Ollie Price at number three, hitting a very classy 84 from 161 balls as those two upon 171 runs for the second wickets for the home side this week. So by this point in the game, both teams had accumulated massive scores. The weather had played spoil sport for the majority of this encounter in the West Country this week. And although Glamorgan did come out to bat yet again in the second innings, scoring 62 runs from a quick fire 16 overs, ultimately this game was destined for a draw and both sides shook hands. The points were taken by both opponents. And that was that. A very entertaining, pretty much one innings apiece game, was brought to an end. So again, Kieran, I've got to ask, when it comes to these two sides, obviously I think Glamorgan will be a bit gutted, because they are in the promotion mix, aren't they? They would have loved a victory in this game, but I wanted to speak mostly about Gloucestershire, if I may, because we've spoken about Glamorgan's young guns, with the likes of Kieran Carlson and Zainal Hassan. but it was good to see Joe Phillips make his debut. I was absolutely buzzing to see him make his debut. And then Ollie Price. I mean, what more is there to say about this guy this season? He's averaging forty-two with the bats. Things are looking bright, aren't they, for the West Country outfits? If we're looking at the bigger picture, heading into two thousand twenty-four and the years beyond.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the the likes of um, Ollie Price specifically, um, Tom Price. Um, they have players who who have sort of been around the last few years, but are really, um, you know. Putting together very good performances now, um, and if they continue to grow in in the fashion that they have, and at the rate that they are at the minute, um, they should be very impactful for Gloucester come the end of the season. I think this season they've been unfortunate with the amount of um, games they've drawn, um, somewhat due to the weather um, at different times of the season, and um, as as with this game, um, you know when when you lose an entire day of cricket um in a four day game, you um you are not generally gonna see um a result, but you know, they're gonna take positives where they where they can. Um and you know, the, the the sort of growth of Ollie Price um and the like um is something that's gonna be um very positive for
0: them going forwards um and something that was very much shown in this game. It really was, and again, it's been a very disappointing season for Gloss. Look, I had them down as as promotion contenders, and it just hasn't materialised whatsoever, but I I do believe in this unit. I think they've got some very good young players. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the likes of of Dom Goodman or AJ Dale in the mix either, so they've got the weapons, they've got the potential, but they need to, to translate that potential into results now. So I'll be keeping very, very close tabs on Gloucestershire heading into next season's promotion race, but. Talking of that race, let's have a look at the tables at the end of the show, because to be honest, even though they did draw that game, Glamorgan are still really well placed, as we shall discuss. So at the top of the Division 2 table, at the end of the 11th round, still are Durham on 167 points. In second are Sussex on 113 points. In third and fourth place are Worcestershire and Leicestershire on 111 points apiece. In fifth are Glamorgan on 107 points. In sixth, But with a game in hand, a Yorkshire on 91 points. In 7th, a Gloucestershire on 76 points. And in 8th and bottom place, a Derbyshire on 73 points. So the promotion race is well and truly heating up, heading into the closing stages of the second division this summer. Honestly, it's anybody's game. I back LaMorgan to make a real strong push towards the end of the season as well, in particular when Michael Neeser is back from Australia duty. I think that Mitch Swepton's done a very good job in his absence, but. Michael Nyssa, given the batting form, given the ominous bowling form that he was in, I don't think you can discount the Welsh outfit at all. And then Sussex, as you mentioned, Kieran, just don't seem to be able to lose at the moment. Even if they're not winning games, they're a very difficult team to break down and try to defeat. So, honestly, it's anybody's game. I think from positions 2-6, to six, even Yorkshire, if they were to win that game in hand, are in with a chance. So, it's going to be chaos. It really is, and every single point matters from this point onwards. So, for some teams, there's four matches left. For Yorkshire and Derbyshire, there's five. Honestly, bring it on. I think the conclusion to the second division will be just as exciting, if not more exciting, than the first division, because there's so many different scenarios, and these teams need that promotion in order to attract new players. So, yeah, it's going to be carnage. I've got absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever, but I tell you what, it's going to be very, very exciting. So stick with us here at the Counter Cricket Podcast as we take you through all of the action heading into the conclusion of the summer of 2023. But that is it for myself and Kieran for this week's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.